This episode is brought to you by freedadcourse.com. You are always one conversation away from changing your life, and the power of hello is something that I subscribe to every single day, and I'm always saying hello to new people everywhere I go. Increasing your opportunity, increasing your connection, and getting access to the solutions to the problems that you are facing, whether you're on active duty or just beginning your veteran transition or even transitioning out for 20 years. On the other side of hello are the solutions that you're looking for. Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com. Get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design. Be kind to yourself, right? We're too hard on ourselves. We beat ourselves up. That automatic answer that you said a while ago always comes back negative. I should have done this. I could have done this. What's wrong with me? I'm an idiot. Whatever the case may be. Understand and appreciate that you're a human being. You're going to make mistakes. And there's no book or panacea. There's no cure-all for all this stuff. So treat yourself the way you would treat a friend of yours who came to you and said, hey, I'm struggling with this, right? If if I came to you and said, Ben, I'm struggling with this, you would say, hey, that's okay. Let's figure it out. You wouldn't say, what are you? You're an idiot. What are you doing? You know, well, I mean, you might say that sarcastically because that's how we talk, but be kind to yourself in that way and cut yourself some slack. I think we put too much pressure on ourselves and then we stumble over how to figure it out. Dory one, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I'm your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 104. And if you listened to last week's Friday episode, you know that my mic bit the dust. And if you were listening to this week's episode, you can tell new microphone, new quality. Hopefully we are leveling up our game. It's probably going to take me a little bit to get it tuned in because it does have more settings than my last microphone, but it feels good to be have a regular podcast microphone and deliver the value that I know this episode is going to bring you. So also just a quick reminder that I did get snowed this week and we got about four to five inches. The kids had great fun outside sledding and just playing in the snow. If you've never been in snowy weather, there's just something about kids and snow that they just love. And it's kind of mesmerizing watching kids just get fascinated and fall in love with it. But then also kind of question myself as a dad when, like, why is it that I don't want to go out there like, oh, man, it's cold. But yet kids just go out there with such a thrill and excitement to life. So there is something there to think about, to analyze. And we'll probably do that in a different episode. But for right now, we are going to get going on today's episode. So today's episode is with Dr. Tommy Black. He is a licensed professional counselor who has been in a private practice since 1998. Dr. Black has extensive experience in training and cognitive behavior therapy, and he also works with a myriad of life issues, but has particular experience in ADHD, grief, loss, depression, anxiety disorders, and PTSD. A veteran of the Gulf War from 1990 to 1991, while serving in the U.S. Army, Dr. Black has several years of personal and professional experience in understanding and helping others cope with the specific trials of military service for active duty individuals and their families. Today, we are talking about how he uses ADHD, wisdom, and years of experience to help others. Guys, Tommy Black has this amazing app called Esteem. We're going to talk all about it. All the links for it are down in the show notes. So if you like what we're talking about today and you want to go check it out, don't worry about writing it down. It's all in the show notes down below. Go check it out. This app is everything that we talk about and everything it is is true. 
I've used it before with my kids and it does do, it's not going to be a miracle worker, but if you put it in the work, it does give you the information. So with that said, let's get started with today's episode with Dr. Tommy Black. And if you want to hear my biggest takeaway, because this one really hit me hard, stay tuned for the other side of this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Tommy. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me. It's been a while since we last connected, but this one is a different type of podcast because we are going to bring a child psychologist type expert tool to the podcast to help us be better equipped as parents with the right tool in the toolbox when that moment happens. So Tommy, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of your background, your military experience, and what you do today. Thank you for that. I joined the military, the United States Army, straight out of high school. I served for five years um, during the original Gulf War back in 90. I almost said 2000 because it seems so long ago. Uh, got out, went to college, got a degree, became uh, moved to Georgia because of the military and got advanced degrees in school psychology and then psychology, opened a private practice. I'm currently licensed in Florida and Georgia. I've previously been licensed in other areas. You understand that being military and moving around and things, but uh, those have lapsed. So I work in a private practice. I've worked for over 20 years working with military families with adjustment issues. And the primary struggle that we seem to have oftentimes once we get in and get settled is when you have a child who has ADHD and they're kind of bouncing all over the place and adjusting to new schools. And, uh, and, and believe it or not, ADHD is the number one chronic care behavioral health issue for children in the country. Seeing these constant struggles and the issues with communicating with different people, trying to get people engaged, having teachers, working with parents, working with pediatricians, working with therapists. My co-founders and I decided working one-on-one, we're doing okay, but we feel like there's a much bigger audience and opportunity to reach people by using digital therapeutics, using technology. Every other thing we do today is guided by technology, right? We were talking a few minutes before we came on and how we're looking at Twitter and we're following the news and we're seeing those things, whereas 20 years ago, we didn't have those types of things. But when you deal with uh, most things in your life, you can use transportation, you can use Uber or Lyft, you buy your food, you have somebody deliver it all straight through your phone, you know, you're engaged in, in lots of different ways in technology, but behavioral health isn't. There's never been any significant use of that workflow process in behavioral health. So we decided to apply those workflow processes using the American Academy of Pediatric Guidelines for ADHD. And then laying on top of that, different things related to parenting or stress management or financial support, all the things you need for a developmental tool in raising your children in one area at your fingertips when you need it. If you have a problem at four in the afternoon on Friday, it's almost impossible to get a hold of anybody. But if you have it right there in the app, it can guide your decision. It can say, hey, you're dealing with this. These are the things that you've input over the last couple of weeks, a few minutes a day. So maybe you should try this. Maybe you should try relaxation. Maybe you should engage your child in this technique using a different parenting app or those types of things. So the other part of it is using the digital therapeutics instead of me having to use this app for financial management and then get out of that and use this app for exercise and then get out of that and check my kids' school stuff in another app. We've created a super app, a STEAM Therapeutics uh, super app that has it all in one place. So you don't have to leave that kind of uh, ecosystem and then bounce back and forth. I don't know about you, but my kids and I, we all, we do this. I'll get out of an app and, and plan to go to something else. And then I'll get a notification about something and I'll deal with that notification. And then I'll sit there for a few seconds thinking, 
what was I getting ready to do? I don't remember what I was going to do because I got two kids coming at me. I got school issues. We're dealing with uh, the homeschool stuff still where I live. So they're doing it uh, virtually. So I'm, I'm having to deal with all that and managing the businesses and doing the, these types of interviews. And so my brain gets a little bit scattered and having it all there in one place allows me to just follow the best practices, do the things that are most developmentally appropriate, and then check and see if what I'm doing is working or not. If it's not working, then I stop doing it and I try something else. If I need to communicate with you or if I need to communicate with a teacher, if I need to communicate with a pediatrician, the app has all of that built into it. So I don't have to move away. If I need updates on how the kids are doing at school, I can send checklists to the teachers. Uh, if I need to see how my parenting stuff is going, I can follow up with some kind of homework on my own to see where I'm at and what I'm doing and then make adjustments, right? So the, the struggle has been for me as an individual and then as a practitioner working in, in military communities has been how do we communicate all of this stuff and keep it all organized in a way that we're able to see true growth and we're not just spinning our wheels and wasting our time. There are super parents out there, right? They'll come in with the binders where the kid was in first grade and saw all these people and then they had the tabs and that. But most of us, I'm certainly not like that. And most of the parents I've met aren't like that. So we're trying to incorporate all of that there to give parents really a, a heads up and a little bit of a leg up in the things that they're doing and trying to deal with these things today. And your app was invented before COVID times, correct? Like you had the idea before. So like, I feel like there's never been a time more now where you are the teacher in many cases, the media doctor, the parent trying to to help your child through whatever they're trying to get through. And so your app is almost like perfectly built for a COVID era of chaos and parenting. And I wholeheartedly feel what you're feeling of balancing dinner, the kids, even like, I feel like there's a feeling recently where all three kids have, are just trying to yell at me and get my attention. I'm like, there is literally only one of me shouting my name does not override the attention I'm giving this child while you're trying to get my attention over there. And my trick that I do mostly is I just laugh about it. I'm like, is this really what parenting is all about? Just having like kids yell at you and just find the humor in it. Cause if you get mad about it, you're just going to go freaking crazy. So I want to go into a couple of the basic ideas behind the app. The basic idea is to, to load your child's essentially profile in there, and then it gives you recommendations based on the problems that you are seeing. And there's one problem that I don't, none of my kids have been diagnosed with ADHD, but there's one like initial feeling that I often don't necessarily know how to read the situation properly. So I'm wondering what you would be able to say. And I think it's one of those first feelings that many parents have that maybe they don't really know that it's something they can observe. I've always tried to essentially live my life with the idea that hurt people hurt people. So I build it around this idea that when someone's hurting someone, that they're hurting themselves. And in kids, that shows up in so many different ways, whether they're trying to get your attention, whether they're punching or kicking their brother, all of those different things. And I often don't know what to do when I do recognize like she's hurting inside and other than trying to talk or some, cause sometimes the behavior gets, it's almost like um, a runaway train, like the behavior kicks in and the train just continues to wild up. She loses control or he, if it's my son and you, there's just nothing getting back. And it's that like, sometimes they find it funny even because they're, they're, they're just that far out there. But again, I go back to, they're probably hurting because they're hurting other people around them. 
when you get those moments where you recognize your child's hurting, what are some of the things that you can do in those moments that one, guide yourself, but then two, know what some tools you can pull out to get through that moment? Yeah, so that's really important. And that's one of the driving factors of why we did this. So yeah, this was all pre-COVID stuff because we could see the writing on the wall. But what you just said is exactly what we were talking about when we decided to do this. When I'm in my moment of need, nobody's available. When my child is acting out, when I'm struggling and don't know what to do, I can't find somebody. If I call a therapist, it might be a month before I can get in. The therapists around here where I'm at, if you call somebody today, it's going to be Christmas before you can get in with anybody. <clears throat> That's not going to help your kid who's in its moment of need. So we put it right there in an ability. So backing up a little bit, you said, you know, you go in and you do the profile, you put that information in, and then it tells you what to do. That's true, but not 100% true. You get to choose what you want to do. When you come to my office as a therapist or a psychologist's office or the doctor's office, they kind of just push you along. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And sometimes they give you good information. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they give you good information, but you miss it because you got two kids screaming and pulling at you at the same time. So you miss things and you're, oh, what did they say? Sometimes it leads to discord in your marriage or, or in your uh, partnership with your spouse because they hear parts of it and you hear other parts of it and you don't connect the things. So having the app where you develop the profile and it says, okay, these are the things that you've identified as issues. Now you pick which one is the bigger issue for you. And I can tell you with 100% certainty, mom's issues that she considers most significant is going to be different than what you consider most significant. So as parents, you get to choose those things. And then when you're in your moment of need and you see that your child's hurting and you don't know what to do, you pick up the app, you, you do a few of the different things. Well, let me back up a minute. Every day you could do a few things, two to three minutes a day. It only takes, what we found is call them power users. People who are really engaged in the app are doing about 16 minutes a day. And they're seeing significant outcomes based on how they're assessing their children over time. So you do 5, 10, 15 minutes a day, and you're going to see some changes because you're going to be engaged and you're going to be involved. And what will happen over time, not only will you say, okay, we're in this moment of need and there's some hurting going on. So let's try uh, this. Let's sit down and calm down. Let's try this activity to calm down, or let's get the child to do this. Or maybe I just need to take a, a breath and try something as a parent. Maybe I just need to back off because I think you just said something also that's really significant that happens a lot. When I get upset about it, I just make things worse. You know, it's, it's typically not the child purposefully trying to ruin my life or my day. It's the child's hurting or in need and uncertain of what to do, and they don't know how to ask for help. But once you do that and you've established that baseline and you're starting to move through that process, now you're doing preemptive stuff. You know, you're doing little things every day that are giving them the attention and the things that they need and they're getting the skills they need. So you'll have less and less of those moments when you're in that severe crisis type mode. So, uh, so yeah, having something there, a lot of times it's just validation, right? You as a parent are thinking, I need to do this, but you're hearing different people in the back of your head in the past have said, well, if you just spanked your kid, or if you were more consistent, or if you were more stable, or your kids just spoiled, I yell louder. Like that's often something yeah, else. That's right. like, okay, I can play this game. I can yell louder than you. If you were a better disciplinarian, you know, how, however that is phrased or comes out. So a lot of times there's this lack of validation that I'm not doing the right thing. But then when you start to see the outcomes and you start to get that support, even though it's just technology, it's driven by um, intelligence. You know, it's driven by data that you've put in and other people have seen and, and evaluated. 
then you're going to start getting more confidence in that and feel better about yourself and the outcomes will become more significant. You know, we know scientifically and we know in our own lives, whatever we pay attention to changes. So as soon as you start doing a little bit a day, it gets a little bit better and then it gets a little bit better and then it starts exponentially growing, right? Thinking about one of the analogies I use all the time is when you're shooting at a target downrange, right? A 50 meter target, you're a little bit off uh, target, you're still going to probably hit the target. 300 meter target, if you're a little bit off, your aim's a little bit off, you're going to be way off. So as your projectile goes down range, you're going to get further and further away. But if you're making small corrections every day, that shot group's going to get tighter and tighter. It's a lot about doing those things a little bit every day. When you are in your moment of need, you got it right there when you need it. It was also something that you brought up there, of, and I can see it happening where when you're told by the doctor and probably the school, there's probably, you almost over-exaggerate probably the ADHD. And I can imagine that while a diagnosis of ADHD might seem devastating and it might seem devastating with the conversation, you could probably be led down a scenario where you're talking about all these really hard things that they want to do with your child, but your app probably walks them back a little bit because it's often a daily little bit of this and a massaging and the severity of how a child feels about their ADHD is probably walked back versus maybe in some cases where the doctor is pushing a medication or doesn't immediately try to get to know your child before he tries to fix what's wrong with your child. Maybe there's nothing wrong. He just needs different tools around him to support him. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that feeds into what I was saying earlier. You just kind of get pushed along a lot of times. You have doctors who are overworked and understaffed and they're running around and therapists who are feeling pressure for managed care to get things done and teachers who have crowded classrooms and two or three kids are bouncing off the walls. <clears throat> so that little issue becomes a big issue, but it's not really a big issue. It's a fairly typical, normal issue. And with those minor little tweaks, it, it becomes a non-issue. So yeah, it's a little bit of, um, you know, if you do a little bit every day, it doesn't build up kind of thing. But at the same time, once you're paying attention to it and it becomes normalized, you know, because you're starting to develop confidence in what you're doing, you feel better about what you're doing. The first time you do something, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I screwed it up. Maybe I could have done this better. And it's always good to do that, you know, after action kind of review to see what you could do differently or what you could do better. But we tend to dump on ourselves. You know, well, I screwed up. I'll never get it right. I'm a horrible parent. I'm a horrible human being. But that's not the case. You know, you start getting these small successes and it builds and your kids start getting small successes and it builds. And then your relationship with your kids start to build. The biggest issue that we hear, and it's, it uh, doesn't sound like it's relevant to your situation, but a lot of parents feel like they don't connect with their children because they're jumping from uh, fire to fire to fire to fire to fire. There's never any positive growing the normal, typical developmental type of interaction. And even without ADHD, you know, we start with ADHD. But this is truly a developmental tool. And the, the goal is to work towards growth, regardless of where you're at. You know, as a kid, especially, but us as adults, too, we're constantly looking to grow and develop. So what can I do better and how can I do it better? But a big part of the issue with kids growing up developmentally, particularly in today's 24-hour news cycle, we're constantly bombarded with information. Could you imagine growing up today where everything's right there all the time? I, I couldn't imagine it. I couldn't imagine it. We had to read newspapers when I was a kid. So when, when I was in Iraq, I had to write letters with paper and pens and mail them and lick stamps. And 
uh, you know, it, it always amazed me as a therapist years later when we started going through um, Operation Iraqi Freedom and in Afghanistan, when people were talking to their spouses every day online, and, uh, that's good, but it's so different. It puts so much more different kind of pressure on people having this level of immediacy, but we don't do it in a positive way, or we rarely do it in a positive way. Having an app that puts that validation in your pocket and gives you feedback immediately without having to wait weeks or months fits in with that kind of cycle that kids are used to. And kids today are, it feels like they're born with iPads in their hands. You know, that the technology is just natural. And the them. DNA and and it almost makes them work automatically. Like they don't even think right, twice right. about how to make it work. It's great to see a two-year-old showing grandpa how to use the phone, <laughs> you know, grandpa's thinking about the old rotary phone. <laughs> so, so yeah, I think, I think everything you said makes sense in that. And, and I hope I answered your question. Um, I try not to talk too much around it, but I know I do that. So I apologize. You mentioned before hitting record trauma was something that you, the app is targeted toward too as well. Can you expand that a little bit as well as a resource that the app could help walk a parent through? What happens with kids, well, what happens with us as human beings is we have symptoms, right? We have symptoms, whether we have a cold, whether we have hay fever, fever, whether we have COVID, whatever the issue is, we develop symptoms. <clears throat> if you don't, you're asymptomatic. So you have an ADHD kid, they have symptoms. They can't focus, they can't sit still, they can't finish tasks. You have a kid who's depressed, they have symptoms. They can't focus, they can't sit still, they can't finish tasks, they can't think, they can't work. You have a kid with anxiety, same thing. So looking at the etiology of whatever the behavior is, it's hard to identify what those things are. Well, then you throw in any kind of trauma, any kind of trauma. You know, it started out with me with military combat trauma. Actually, as a kid, it started out with me with automobile accident trauma. And then it moved into military uh, combat trauma. And then uh, working with kids, seeing abuse and neglect and those types of traumas. <clears throat> and then uh, I lived in Georgia. I live in coastal Georgia. I lived here for about 15 years. We do these trauma checklists. And a couple of years ago, we started having hurricanes. Every year we had like three. Now every kid has some level of trauma, not every kid, but a lot of them have some level of trauma associated and affiliated with those natural disasters and how it's affected people. Different people respond to those things differently. Just like when you're in the military, the things you've seen, if you've ever been in an automobile accident, some of the people come out of it okay, and some of them struggle. We all have different sensitivities and different um, uh, grit, basically. Um, so one of the things that we try to do with the app is pull that layer back to make sure that we're really dealing with what the issue is. You know, like you said earlier, you go to a doctor, they give you a pill. Well, there's not really a pill for trauma. You know, if you have trauma and you're, and you're struggling with that trauma, you're overreactive to loud noise or you're overreactive to light or you're overreactive to movement, then you can't focus. You can't get things done. You can't sit still. It looks just like ADHD. So you start shoving a pill down their throat and medication is appropriate in a lot of situations, but in these situations, maybe it's not, then you're not going to see the type of outcomes and it becomes more and more frustrating. So having something that can help guide you through those different levels and those different layers and give you a more accurate assessment of where these issues are stemmed from will give you a better overview of how to deal with them. So a lot of times with trauma, Maybe you just want to sit and listen to them for a little bit. Maybe you just want to sit with them and do things sometimes. You know, you don't want to sit down, shut up, be quiet. You know, now you're just feeding into that. Now they're 
you know, they get that reaction, that physiological reaction where their autonomic nervous system kicks in, you know, their fight or flight responses when you're yelling at them or raise your voice. So you as a parent start learning, how can I react differently to these things and get the responses that I'm looking for from them in return, as opposed to resistance. And then these kids who are dealing with this trauma, they're hypersensitive to this and, and every little thing becomes a bigger thing. And this goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, where if you deal with it a little bit every day, you kind of chop those those mountains down and they become molehills again. So being able to identify those things through paying attention, through doing the different assessment tools, and then using the different interventions will give you a better skill set to deal with those things and get those positive outcomes. Whereas you come to a therapist, we're throwing things at a wall. We don't have any real data around it. We don't know what works and what doesn't work. The most frustrating thing. That's right. The most frustrating thing for me as a parent and for me as a, a mental health professional is what works today with my kids may not work tomorrow with my kids. You know, if I say, let's sit down and do this today, they might be open to that. But tomorrow I get resistance. And then I get frustrated because we just did this yesterday. What's the problem? You know, especially if wherever I'm at emotionally or, or with my, you know, I might be wore out or something. So I have less patience today. So, so yeah, having that understanding helps you unpack it in a way that gets you better outcomes quicker, easier, and with less resistance. Let's pivot into talking about military kids. So you mentioned that you used working with military kids was somewhere, but this was kind of born out of what I've learned doing this podcast. Now we're almost up to episode 100 at the time of this recording. And is that many times when the dad comes home, there is a trust and empathy issue that they had to learn as a child to learn without their dad, who they desperately emotionally want their dad to be in their life, but they had to learn without that connection. And often what gets me, I cry at everyone. You see those homecoming videos and that's the honeymoon phase, but then the real work begins. And what I've learned so far is that you need to rebuild that empathy and trust and in a very non-judgmental way. And probably the only thing that I've really learned, because I didn't have kids in the military, so I'm just operating on people's interviews, is building that connection with your child to understand what life was like while they were gone and get them to at least open up so that you can understand in a not judgmental way and validate and just kind of catch back up on life. What are some of the things that you recommend for dads returning back to their kids to help rebuild some of that empathy and trust to move forward together versus kind of like, especially if like, I'm sure if you got a teenager, there's just going to be like shots across the bow because you weren't here last month when I was really needing you and they're just going to try to tear you down a little bit or test you as a dad. So not only deployments, but also the constant movement, uh, moving more regularly than more different people, you know, than non-military people, uh, different TDY assignments, the stressors that are put on you for the training exercises that we go through in the military, all of that contributes to that, right? So a lot of times we start thinking about the big deployments, but it all, even the little things add up. So the kids feel like you're not there. You weren't there when I needed you. You weren't there for the good things. You weren't there for the bad things, just like what you just said. So building empathy and trust takes time. You know, uh, the analogy is, you know, it only takes a minute to blow up a bridge, but it takes months and years to rebuild that bridge. So it takes time. So being patient, paying attention, spending time together and showing a genuine interest in the things that they're doing and they're involved in. One of the things that I find difficult, uh, especially with my daughter, is everything's exaggerated, right? Like, oh, my God, Sally didn't sit next to me today. She hates me. I hate her. I'm going to die. And I just want to say, come on, kid, it's not that big of a deal. But what happens when you say that? That's not empathetic. 
and you're not thinking back and remembering what it was like for you. And you're denying the emotional feeling that they, that you're not letting them feel whatever they're feeling. Like you're judging it. And they're like, Oh, it was a bad feeling. Like all you're doing is potentially putting money in a therapist's pocket 20 years in the future. <laughs> That's right. I have daddy issues now. <laughs> That's right. So yeah, spending that time in a non-judgmental way and remembering empathy is feeling, you know, understanding what they're feeling, not feeling bad for them, but trying to put yourself in their shoes and listen to those things. And it takes time. Um, for my daughter, I learned that if I wanted to motivate her or get her to do things, I would, I would just have to sit with her and listen to her because she's a talker. I wonder where she gets that from. But anyway, she's a talker. So I would just have to sit and listen. And then it felt better. And now using the app, if, you, if you're engaged and involved with the app, you're doing that. You're paying attention. You're engaged with them. You're following through with the things that are important to them. And you're, you're doing those things. It's tough sometimes because kids are interested in things we're not always interested in. It's very rare, at least in my experience, that my kids are doing the things that I like to do. They might do that stuff with their friends, but I don't want to play video games with them or I don't want to talk about Sally and Susie. And, you know, I don't want I'm not that's not interesting to me, but it is interesting to me because it's important to them. So when you show that it's important to them and you pay attention to them, then you start to rebuild that empathy and trust just a few minutes a day. Something as easy as one of the things that I learned getting building on what you just said, instead of judging or placing value on something, just paying attention. So I could say, uh, Oh yeah, that's a, you have a, a flag behind you. That's, that's, yeah. You know, I'm just acknowledging that it's there, but if I said, Oh yeah, that's cool. Or like, you know, you place value on it, then that kind of makes them feel like maybe I got to keep doing this or maybe I got to keep doing that. So it, it makes it less pure. Maybe that's not the right word, but just acknowledging and paying attention. One of the biggest things I used to do in the schools was, Oh, Billy, you got new shoes today. I haven't seen those shoes before. And the, the kids would just gravitate towards me after those types of things. But I said, oh, those are really cool shoes. Nah, whatever. You know, they would downplay it and they would minimize it because there's that value. There. When you take that value out and you just spend time with them and you pay attention to them, then it starts to build that relationship and the connection. And that's where the empathy and the trust comes from, that connection. One of the things that I've always liked as a parent is figuring out the right question to ask my kid because I've always liked, because when you ask a question, your brain can't help with come up and answer. It's, it's an impossibility almost. If you ask yourself a question, whether you suck or not, your brain will automatically answer it. it it's just a default. It, it answers anything you ask it, whether it's a good answer, or a bad answer, or even if it's a wrong answer. What are some of your favorite questions that you've come to rely on to get your kid talking or maybe a kid that was visiting within your practice? So for me, um, it's it always it starts and, and ends with what we call cognitive interviewing type style. Instead of what most parents do, did you have a good day at school? Yes, and that's it. Where do we go from there? So you ask more open-ended questions. Open-ended questions about um, uh, so what did you do at school today? Or you know, those types of questions are horrible questions because you get the shoulder shrug. Right? That's all we ever get. Uh, so then you start asking, what's your favorite food? What do you like to do? What what TV shows do you like? What, and then you build from that, right? So <clears throat> for me, it's always been about finding common ground. What are the things that we do that we have some commonality? In? And if we don't have commonality, uh, one of the things for me that when I first started and I was insecure in my uh, abilities as a therapist, I would try to fake it. Oh, yeah, SpongeBob's great. I love SpongeBob. Kids see right through that, though, right? 
So then I just decided I'd be me. Oh, SpongeBob. Oh man, that show's horrible. And I would kind of turn it into a joke and the kids would laugh. Oh, you're crazy, whatever. And it kind of built football for me when my kids were little, it was Barney, right? And the, uh, we were just talking about this the other day, Wiggles. So, but Paw Patrol's the one these days. So yeah, you can't fake that. It's clear. The kids are like, come on, you know, like little kids maybe, but once they get a little bit older. So open-ended questions that focus on the things that they're involved with and they like in a safe, non-judgmental way gets them talking and communicating. So uh, for me, it's always been about putting the focus on you and in a not with a spotlight, right? As soon as you put the spotlight on them, I'm thinking of my kids because they're teenagers. They immediately shut down. But little kids, when they were middle childhood, early childhood, preteens, they were more involved and engaged in that way. So um, another thing that's really big for me sometimes uh, when I have kids in here, we'll just do stuff together. I have a teenage boy. He's 13, I think, just turned 13. He doesn't want to talk. So we play cards or we play chess. And then I use that as an opportunity to open him up, you know, because he gets distracted and he starts talking. Um, and so like chess, we're, we're I'm teaching him how to play chess or we're playing a card game like Uno. And if his issue is impulse control, then I'm I'm kind of working through those issues a little bit. He's not paying attention. He's making poor decisions. I'm kind of guiding that in a non-judgmental way. Like, oh, you sure that's what you want to do? Maybe you know, let's look at that or let's unpack that a little bit. So so sometimes it's just sitting with them, you know, just being there and being present. Because there are sometimes there are issues there's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. Sally broke up with me. I don't know what to do. I mean, oh, I'd be okay. You'll be okay. You'll get over it. There's plenty of fish in the sea, right? A kid whose heart's broken doesn't want to hear that stuff. Yeah, you might have so told they got fired. It's the same category of a failure or sadness. Yeah. And as soon as you start saying it's going to be okay, then they're, they're starting to get resistive. So, so yeah, man, that, that sucks. I hate it. I've, I've been there. Let's go do something. You know, you distract them, change the subject. You get them outside of their head a little bit. And you had kind of said that earlier. As soon as you ask yourself a question, you come up with an automatic answer. And most often, if you're a pessimistic individual who's struggling with these things or uncertain about these things, it's going to be a negative answer, right? If you're, if you're not in therapy, if, you, if your kids are doing great and you're doing great, it's probably going to be a positive answer. But if you're looking for help and guidance with parenting, you're dumping on yourself in a lot of bad ways or you're dumping on your, you're focusing on those negative things. Try hosting a podcast about military dads and try not having the self-talk of like, God, I'm such a crappy dad. I just failed. I'm such a crappy dad. I have to listen to two guys talk about being crappy dads. So, but we all make those mistakes. You know, somebody said to me earlier, like, wow, you just really seem is earlier today. Like you do. You, the, every time I ask a question, you got it. You got it. Yeah. Because I've made all these mistakes. <laughs> I've been down this road. I've done this stuff. So I'm trying to learn and grow and do better, but that's a constant, constant process. For me, the biggest struggle, because I'm a man, uh, I'm an ex-military man, I'm a husband, I live in the South, we fix things, right? We do things. That's in our DNA. The hardest thing for me to do is not fix it. Just listen. Just sit there. Just be present. And sometimes that's what you got to do. And as you learn through those processes, like going through some sort of grief process with your children or, or a move, you know, moving and we're leaving our friends. Oh, you'll make new friends, better friends. That's not going to help. So you're just present. You hear it. I know it's hard. It's hard. I know it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not easy. And it's something that what we, what this app, this podcast represents 
is the best way to learn something is a shortcut to learning and learning from people who have already fell down 10 times and figured out the solution. So like, that's what I love about the app. And this interview has been right, right there. I'd hope to give parents out there, dads, moms that we have listened out there, hope that there are tools out there if we look for them and Google them. And this is a perfect tool that I've started using a little bit as well. And it does exactly what he's talking about. And it does it in the same way he's talking about it as well. So go ahead and tell everybody where they can get this app and different places where they can connect more with Tommy Black. Thank you for that. And I appreciate it. So chooseesteen.com is where you can find more information about it. We're on Twitter we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Um, but if you go to the Apple App Store and just search for the Esteem app, E-S-T-E-E-M, it's there. We're not quite done with the um, Android app, but you can use it through the web browser on your Android devices. You can use it on your computer. It's optimized for your phone, but it works very well through the browser. On my phone, I actually use the app and I use it through the browser so I can see, but it looks identical. Uh, so, and we're available. We have people who uh, we're very engaged and involved. We have people who send us emails, who reach out to us. My email address is Tom, uh, Tom dot black at choose So if anybody has any questions, send me uh, an email, just make sure you're saying, Hey, I heard you on the podcast. So I know a little bit of the context about that, but I think you're right uh, in the sense that we don't want to reinvent the wheel. We've learned a lot of these things. We've been through this stuff. We've tried to put that information there. And, and again, what works for you may not work for me. So we try to put as many different things in there as possible so that you can have an opportunity. But if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. And that's okay. We can. It, it's, it's good to try different things and see how it fits. So I appreciate you having me on. And I, uh, I think it's important what you're doing, getting a work out there and trying to help everybody through this process because it's, it's tough these days. It's tough. It's tougher than I think than it's ever been. What's your parting piece of advice you want to leave for military dads? So the biggest thing I like to tell everybody all the time is be kind to yourself, right? We're too hard on ourselves. We beat ourselves up. That automatic answer that you said a while ago always comes back negative. I should have done this. I could have done this. What's wrong with me? I'm an idiot. Whatever the case may be. Understand and appreciate that you're a human being. You're going to make mistakes and there's no book or panacea. There's no cure-all for all this stuff. So treat yourself the way you would treat a friend of yours who came to you and said, hey, I'm struggling with this, right? If if I came to you and said, Ben, I'm struggling with this, you would say, hey, that's okay. Let's figure it out. You wouldn't say, what are you, you're an idiot. What are you doing? You know, well, I mean, you might say that sarcastically because that's how we talk, but but be kind to yourself in that way and cut yourself some slack. I, I think we put too much pressure on ourselves and then we stumble over how to figure it out. I wholeheartedly agree. And that is the biggest thing that most parents need to go through is that we're flawed as human beings and we're, we're going to get there. And I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, sharing about your app. And I can't wait to get this out there for everybody. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Take care. You know what the biggest dish of irony with this episode is I recorded this episode when the house was quiet. There wasn't a single kid running around. My daughter was at preschool. The kids were at daycare and I am releasing this episode when the house is chaos. There's three kids running around. My daughter is not going to daycare. And I am consistently challenging myself on how to be a better dad, how to be stronger with my emotions, how to know the right answer. Some of the questions that I was asking Dr. Hami Black were almost ironic because I didn't know that I need those answers until I was getting this ready again. And I was like, man, I really need to take that wisdom and advice to heart. And so for me, the biggest thing that I took away from what Dr. Tommy Black was saying was just giving yourself the grace. 
that there is so much shooting that goes on inside our head as a parent, whether it be patterns from our parents, whether it be something we read in a book, there's almost too much information because once we know too many information, we never know what the right answer is. And we're not Google. We're not Alexa. Our brain doesn't work like that. We just can't input a question and output the perfect answer. But when we overrun so much information, it can be a very hard struggle. And there was a component that I really liked where he talked about empathy and trust and approaching those situations in a non-reactive way and just being there in a non-judgmental way. And that really hit me hard through some of the challenges that I've been going through as a dad. And so, again, the biggest reminder that he gave me was reminding myself to give myself grace, reminding myself to just be with the moments, and reminding myself that I have the Esteem app by my side, that I really need to double down on that app and be inputting the information so that I can be outputting the different information to help me make the better choice in that moment. I started using it when I first met Dr. Tommy Black and I fell off the wagon. And this episode is my reminder to get back on the wagon. And I thank you, Dr. Tommy Black, for reminding that. And like I said, this episode could not have came at a better time for myself because my life is completely different than it was when I recorded this. And I think I recorded this in the beginning of November. So that wasn't that long ago, but that tells you how fast life is changing in 2020 for me. But again, that's what my big takeaway was. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you're hearing this message, that means that you hung on to the very end. And I know that this podcast helps you. I hear it from you on the iTunes reviews, your emails. If you want to show me how much appreciation, go ahead and leave an iTunes reviews. I read every one of those. If you don't have, if you're listening on one of the other devices, send me an email. I love reading those emails about how an episode touched your life, about what you would like more of on this podcast. Don't be shy. Reach out. Ben at militaryveterandad.com. I'm a pretty easy guy to talk to. I'm an open book on any questions that you guys have. I'm always here to help you come home and be a better dad. And if you are ready, if this episode or any of the other episodes are put you in a spot where you are ready to take action and move yourself forward and to really take those actions to come home, go check out bencolloy.com. There is a eight-week co coaching program that I've got set up it essentially takes the steps that I've done to come home combined with the wisdom and foresight of this podcast to help you transition, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally, that when you walk through that door, you go from businessman to dad in a single step and you do not become the doormat because many dads that I talk to feel success at work, but they feel a doormat at home. And with that, I am signing off and I will talk to you guys again on Friday. Have an amazing week and see you on the other side.